Can a player from the Noya get a chance with it, huh? Luve, huh? Put him in a movie, huh? Juve, huh? Uh, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill, ladies and gentlemen. That was a quote from the great Reverend Juvenile. Juvenile was the iconic member that pushed Cash Money Records over from the 9-9 to the 2000s. He was the one that prophesied and said, Cash Money taking over for the 9-9 and the 2000s. And it turns out he was right. Speak it out there. Uh, folks, welcome back to this podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Before we start out, this podcast is sponsored by Frontline Roofing and Restoration. Frontline Roofing and Restoration is a locally owned business specializing in residential roofing, commercial roofing, and restoration projects. If you'd like to contact them, their number is 513-375-7050. If you'd like to email them, it's www.frontlineroofingohio.com. Or, well, that's their website. If you want to email them, it's frontline.roof at gmail.com. And if you use the promo code O-M-O-T-A-H, you get a free inspection on and an estimate on your roof. And also, we like to highlight a black business. Ladies and gentlemen, we are sponsored by Roland Doja Productions. Roland Doja Productions is, is a iconic producer, music producer, audio engineer, he does everything. Ladies and gentlemen, happens to be one of my dear nearest friends on this planet, Mr. Garrett McCall. And sometimes I have to call him by his producer name because I just call him G-Double. That was his nickname. So they put an article about him in Voyage LA, right? And Garrett, if you don't know, he's the only friend that I have that does not want to do this podcast because he lets me know he does not want to explore himself uh, through my podcast because I know him too much. He chooses to explore himself through music, and he said through his music and beats where you can understand how he feels. And we're going to read a little bit of his article, which explains a lot about him. Here we go. Uh, this is what they say. Thanks for sharing your story. Let's start from the beginning. This is the interviewer interviewing him so we can move there. This is Garrett. Let me put his voice. I lived most of my life in Tokyo, Honolulu, and Atlanta. When I was seven, I learned that I could play by ear, beginning to teach myself how to play keys. Around the age of 13, I started engineering, making beats, writing songs in Japan. I was a member of many bands, academic at church with my peers after moving to Atlanta. Let me read it as myself. I had the privilege of learning, <laughs> that's how he talks, of learning some future innovations of hip-hop and production in Hawaii. I studied audio engineering to learn the science, to build the art. And after gaining experience and learning the artist from Hawaii, I felt L.A. would be a great place to move. Now, I've been knowing this dude for free. I'm 31. He's 32 since I was 14. 14, 14 or 13, 12, freak, 12, 12, I, I've, been known as, I've been known as platypus for a long time, dang near 20 years, and I remember when he moved to LA, uh, he was in Hawaii, uh, you know, doing audio production, and like, this is what Roland Doja Productions do, they score movies, he scores movies, he scores uh, TV shows, he does this, he's a straight, legit audio engineer, and when he moved to LA, he wanted to expand because, you know, Sometimes there's a ceiling in Hawaii that you hit, especially in like different towns where you are. And you move to LA, and now like producers are hitting them up. There's times where I, you know, show someone the stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I already I got this guy. Yeah, I just purchased some beats from. Him. I was like, this wrote you. I said Garrett, and it's like Roland Doja. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's my boy. But it's dope. We're all sharing this article, so I'm gonna put his article inside the bio. So this was our highlight on Black the Business. Let's see what's going on in the world, folks. Before we start off, I want to wish my brother happy birthday. My brother is Emmanuel Waters. Uh, I like to wish him happy birthday. Uh, Ricardo's he turned 33. Man, he's old as F. Uh, 
my brother, I've been knowing my brother pretty much most of all my life as well. And I could say that's the only person on earth that I could say I truly know front to back. Like I know his emotions, I know how he's feeling and stuff like that. And he probably knows how I'm feeling. And we check in all the time. Uh, I love my little sisters as well, but me and him are 16 months apart. So when, like, when you're moving around the world and stuff like that and bouncing around when you're, and you have someone to go there with you, it's amazing. Uh, I remember, freak, man, I remember being so jealous of him in like middle school because we're in North Carolina. And he just had this blinged out picture. Like all the boys in North Carolina had all these necklaces they probably were stealing. I don't know. And they every, everyone's picture, they everyone's had iced out necklaces. And I was like, dang, I wish I was over there. But it's just dope having somebody. My brother's a shark, like, in the business world. And uh, he's the first one that was, like, very encouraging about, like, going out there and, like, producing and doing uh, your dreams. I remember when he got out of college, he got this job, like, a great job. And then within, like, two to three years, like, he goes, I'm not going to wait my whole life, wait five years to be promoted. And he looks at the scale and goes, I'm just going to take a chance get the learning, get everything else, be an entrepreneur, and then bam, he freaking did it. He moved out to Utica, New York, and I remember, I remember the, I was like a dark time. I was like in college, maybe my junior, junior year, and I had to take this test. I'm not really good. At I'm good at test taking, but this test was just like, I kind of failed it like four times. I was just getting frustrated, and this is when he's been working for like a year, and he goes, uh, two years, he goes, all right, uh, we're going to the Bahamas. And I was like, what? He goes, you're going to the Bahamas. Don't worry about anything. Just come out, chill. So he has all of his new work buddies. And we're in the Bahamas. And he's all like, and I'm like, you know, when you're on somebody else's, I, I wasn't on his dime. I had money at the time. You know, I've always, I, you know, I stay with money. But, you know, my brother's like, I don't want you to spend nothing. I want you to live on me. And I, I was weird for me doing that. And I was like, I was like, hey, man, how you said, just freaking have fun, man. Have freaking fun. And then when I was sitting there asking him, because we shared a room, and uh, he said, you can't wait your whole life to do what you want to do, you know? If you feel like there's an opportunity, you got to go. And then when I told him, he's like, my brother was probably the biggest instrumental part when I moved to New York because I told him, I was like, I'm going to New York. He goes, all right, hold on. He gets off the phone. I think I told the story already. He calls up his girl, and he goes, my brother's moving to New York. When's your girl? Boom. Moved to New York. Bam. He goes, all right, I got you a place. Don't worry. You're serious, right? I said, yeah. All right, good. Let's go, baby. Let's go. That's always, what was that, Siri talking? That's always been my brother. So I just wish him happy birthday. Now he's a dad now, and he's got got him uh, some nice WAP. And, uh, <laughs> that's a crazy word, crazy word, WAP. But, yeah, happy birthday to my brother. Uh, other news, I'm just I'm just going to be doing, we'll just, we'll just get to freaking emails, and I'll talk about my week. Uh, Joe Biden accepts the Democratic nominee. Uh, cool, now we know what's going on. It's Joe Biden, President Trump versus Kanye West. Uh... I find it funny that just just so Biden's just I I don't know I think both of them are senile you know what I mean and my coworkers get mad at me it's like you gotta stop saying Joe Biden is, has Alzheimer's but I'm like sometimes he does like I think if he I used to think that Trump was gonna win by a long shot but now I don't know who's gonna win I think it's gonna come down to a few states now I think it's gonna be closer than what it is I think that Joe Biden just has to not say anything. Because as soon as he talks, he just puts his foot in. He puts it. <laughs> he puts in his foot, his mouth, and it's crazy that the way it looks, it kind of looks like 2016 again, where it's like everyone's waiting for the president Trump to put his foot in his to say something to get to piss the people off. But I feel like the world already knows that we got a crazy president, right? We got a wild, wild mouth president, right? So we expect wild things to come out of his mouth. 
but they don't know Joe like that. So it's just iconic the things that presidential candidates do to get nominated to to win. I'm like, you're having a conversation with Cardi B after <laughs> she made a whole song about WAP and she switches her wig and is talking to you about politics. I'm like, what makes you think that anybody that listens to Cardi B is going to be like, you know, I wanted to vote for Joe Biden because Cardi told me my WAP, my WAP matters. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's going to come down to it. And he's, uh, his vice president is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Uh, she went viral for her speech where she said, she, 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 I, mean, I don't want to butcher it. I'm going to just play it. Here we go. All right, so this is Kamala Harris and her speech. Here we go. Let's play it about family. Family is my husband, Doug, who I met on a blind date set up by my best friend. Family is our beautiful children, Cole and Ella, who call me Mamala. Family is my sister. Family is my best friend, my nieces, and my godchildren. Family is my uncles, my aunts, and my chitties. Family is Mrs. Shelton, my second mother who lived two doors down and helped raise me. Family is my beloved Alpha Kappa Alpha, our divine nine, and my HBCU brothers and sisters. That's Kamala Harris on family. Good speech. I didn't watch the whole thing. Good speech. Uh, that's what you guys are emailing me about it. Chitis, chitis, chit, chitzies, chitzies. Well, it's a South Asian, South Asian uh, phrase for like aunties and stuff like that, like your auntie and stuff. And it was good seeing all my friends who are comedians and they're South Browns and that's what we call people who are from. They're brown from the South, South Brown and brown comedians and brown people are just happy that this is the first person in office that uses a term like them that represents them. I think that's the dopest thing about America is that all these cultures are represented. So Kamala Harris is Jamaican and Indian, South Tamalian Indian. And that's that's amazing that people feel through her that, you know, they're using their culture. She her culture is being represented. I think that's amazing. Uh, so right now, Kanye West, well, Kanye is going to lose. So pretty much President Trump versus President or President Trump versus Joe Biden. Uh, you know, we'll find out. We'll figure it out. We'll see what's going to happen. Uh, excuse me if I'm sneezing. What happened is I got a COVID test. Maybe I got a COVID test Saturday, right? COVID test. I'm about to start work again. COVID test. I'll start talking about that. And I get the blood drawn, and they stick this long tube up or long thing up my nose, and I have severe allergies, right? I didn't sneeze at all, but now I feel like maybe that Q-tip had dust in it because I'm just sneezing the F away, right? But it doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? It feels like just... It feels like something getting stuck all the way up in your nose, you know? But now, if you got allergies, your nose will be running. So, uh, that's what's going on in your emails. Uh, yeah, a lot of people ask me my opinions about uh, sending the teachers back to school. Yeah, freaking sucks, man. But, you know, it's what the world is. A lot of, it's crazy because, so pretty much I'm a day walker. If you don't know, if you're new to the podcast, day walker, stand-up comedian by, by night, educator by day. And it's like the training. So we're doing a lot of training, right? So when you're doing a lot of training, we're doing it all via Zoom to socially distance so we don't spread germs to each other. And it's <laughs> it's freaking, it's not hard, but it's hard staying awake on Zoom, you know? Like I, I don't sleep throughout the day, but sometimes, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, a, it's your mind, your mind is like when you're looking at a TV screen for a long time, that long. And it's crazy because we watch, we binge watch TV shows like that, right? 
But maybe when you're binge watching TV shows, it's like it's quiet or something like that. But when you're on Zoom for so long, you got to pay attention and stuff like that. And it's weird the way I work in my job because I've been there four years. When I moved to New York, I got this job, you know, and it's it's dope being in the, the field, you know what I mean? Because a lot of comedians right now, they're suffering because they're not day walkers, you know. They didn't, some of them didn't go to college. Some of them, you know, they just do pure stand-up, which is cool, and I respect them for it. But, uh... I was like, no, nah, I can't live. I, I can't, I can't be a struggling artist like that, you know. But uh, so it's rough because as a comic, like year two, like I, I didn't say anything. But year three, I started working with people that saw me on stage and, you know, became friends and stuff like that. You have to work, you become friendly, you know. I know these people probably won't show up to a barbecue in Florida, but you know, we're friendly, and you know, you accept people off social media. You unblock people. You're just like, f it, just live your life. So now it's like. You don't want to be too funny on the job, you know? Of course, I'm a stand-up comedian by day, but I'm, you know, I'm dead serious. I I pretty much know content. I'm very smart and articulate. I know how to say things a different way. But sometimes when you are overly funny at the job, people think you are a clown. And I'm not to be mistaken as a clown. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think that humor helps get your point across because now you have something to relate to. So now it's just like that overlay, I don't want to be too funny, you know, I don't want to, because sometimes when they know you're funny, they think everything you're doing is a joke. So it's like Survivor a little bit, you got to find a tribe, don't be too, I think a lot of black people might have this problem, over assimilation, you know, you want to say opinions, but you want to dial back. For example, I don't know if you guys know, there is a girl, we'll we'll tell you like the story about uh, your, your blackness. Her name is Claudette Calvin. If you don't know Claudette Calvin versus Rosa Parks, Claudette Calvin was the first black girl in Alabama to resist the bus. She didn't want to switch her seat for the people going in, and Martin Luther King heard about this, and that pretty much, she's the one that started off the civil rights bus sit-ins about not moving your seat. But what they had a problem was, you know, she was darker skinned, she was darker skinned, and she was a radical young lady at the time, and they really... Didn't want her to be the face of the movement, so they found a seamstress, someone quiet, someone educated, and they found Rosa Parks, and Rosa Parks became the face of the movement, right? Same message, wrong messenger. That's what Martin Luther King's like. We got to have this face. This face is going to be that. So sometimes you got to figure, there's a lot of black people, dealers, like, which one are you going to be at this job? You know what I mean? You're going to be the seamstress. You're going to be the 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 face of the company not being over opinionated everything else or can you be this radical person who's like yo we want change we want move so that's what i'm doing man i just i tried i tried to be like water at my job say less but mean more meaning like you need me but you just know that i'm just like water smooth water so i'm the leader at my it's my particular team i'm the leader so i tell and I'm, i deal with a lot of like younger people who are younger in the profession and I tell them all the time, like, I've been there before, and I'm here to support you, but I encourage you to explore yourself. I encourage you to fail, to fail and try the best things. We all learn from our mistakes, so I encourage them all to fail. Not to take yourself too seriously, but take yourself seriously, you know? Grow, grow, and evolve. You know, I can't teach you how to be you. You're the master of yourself. So that's that's dope. It's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back, Uh, you know, Am I, you know, am I scared of my health? You know, sometimes you fear for your health, but at the same time, it's like God's got me. And it's, and I should not say that all the time, God's got me, but you have to take the precaution. I still wear my mask. You have to have your mask to be inside the building. So it's good. So I'll be working four out of the five days. Wednesdays, you get the day off to like, for them like thoroughly clean the building and stuff like that. 
And then other people have like different hybrids. Some people come in on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. So this is the new normal. I'm cool with it. So that was me. Uh, the workouts is just like after I finish like training. Sometimes I just got to just lie down a little bit because my head is just like, man, I'm looking at a blue screen all day. But I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that we're doing this the safe way. So I'm happy, you know what I mean? Actually, the training's been fun. I met a lot of new new coworkers, stuff like that. So it's good seeing their pre-jitters and everything else. And uh, freaking my boss is amazing. All my bosses are freaking amazing. They support me, so that's good. It's just kind of dope when your bosses support you. So then now I start my week. Let's go to my week. So Monday, uh, this comedy show got canceled, right? So everyone thought it was going to rain. But it rained at like 8.50. So the comedy show happened at 7. The producer's like, hey, we want to cancel the show because of the potential rain. But it's like 70 people showed up at this park. They showed up at this park because they want stand-up. And the producer's like, hey, you know, it gets wet. We don't want you guys to do this, so come next Monday. So I rush over to this other show, Long Island City, pretty much one of the hottest cities out there, the Culture Lab. And uh, comedians are doing their, their jobs. But, you know, same thing. A lot of comics who haven't been on stage in four months. They're trying to treat these big shows like open mics. And I was like, these people, they want to be entertained, so entertain the people. And uh, Pete Davidson comes, right? So Pete Davidson comes. And I guess I'm not aware how big of a star Pete Davidson is. To me, you know, when you see a lot of people around, they're just stand-up comics. But I realized, I was like, oh, man, he's kind of dressed like Michael Jackson. Like his face is covered, everything else. He gets on, and he's the last comic, and he's hitting. He's doing some amazing jokes. Michael tells jokes he's probably working on something. And then he just leaves within like four minutes. He goes, okay, goodbye. <laughs> and then because it, it starts to rain, I was like, man, this would have been a cool Prince moment. And then uh, and then he just like beelines out and just sprints out of there. And I was like, I wonder why he sprinted out there. And I was like, oh, these are his fans. I guess it's just sometimes I don't know people who watch SNL. I just I figured only comedy people watch SNL. People are fans of that. But turns out, you know, his Ariana Grande fan base was huge. So... That was Monday. I'm, I'm going to call call back to the story. So that was Monday. Tuesday, I go to the show again. This show is at Tuesday. Show gets canceled again. Something happened. Oh, uh, Governor Cuomo, he's governor of New York, pretty much said that if you are have a liquor license, you can't have live comedy, right? So you have to be serving food. So a lot of people have been canceling shows. So Tuesday, my show gets canceled. Then we go to this comedy club called The Stand. So we're all hanging out there. And it's, you know, same classism thing as stand-up comedies or the comics who are, you know, which is, I find it good because a lot of the clubs are trying to adjust like the regular comedians and try to do other things, but the best time now is to invest into the new stand-up. Let me break it down to what New York City comedy is, right? If, and this is an extreme measure, if someone had an AK-47, right, and had a gun, and with this gun, this is just a scenario for me explaining it, had a gun, and that person with a gun killed every working New York City comedian right now at a club, right? If he did that, if he or she did that, right? New York City wouldn't even skip a beat or drop a beat and wouldn't even mourn because the next wave of comics are just as funny. Does that make sense? So pretty much these comedians who are out there now, there's a second wave like the comics that are on my class that we're just ready for the opportunity and we're overly prepared. So meaning like, why are you not investing into the next seed? And it's like, you know, they do this, you know, so they they don't... In New York, it's not really about finding new talent, if that makes sense. L.A. is about developing new talent. New York is pretty much like you come already prepared. 
So that's why the alt shows are so big because at the alt shows, you can do all these different things and you can get up on stage. So the alt shows are like rooftops, apartments, outdoor, everything else. Some people do it in a freaking coffee shop. I did stand up in a laundromat. So it's like that. So everyone has turned and made these big rooms. Like Hannibal made this room called the Knitting Factory. And that's one of the hottest rooms on Sunday night in New York City. So like New York City in Brooklyn, there's over like 200 people there every Sunday night. So like all these alt rooms have formed, right? So we still go to the clubs because, you know, that was the only club that opened. Like stand up and stop raining. So they can do a show. So I go there hanging out. And I'm talking to this comic. And uh, he's from Tampa. And we're talking, but he didn't start in Tampa. So it's like, wherever you start comedy is commonly your comedy home, right? So if you're from, like, Texas, but you started in New York, you really are a New York comic, but you're from Texas, but you don't know the comedians that came up in Texas because you started in New York. So this comic, uh, he's from Tampa, and we're talking, and he's been in New York way longer than I have, maybe like eight or nine years. But he's talking to me, and his friends are famous people, right? But he's not famous. So sometimes I think when you're around famous people, you talk like famous people, but you're not famous at all. And, you know, the stuff that you say is not accurate. And me as a person, I have to let you know that this is not accurate. So we're talking about, like, what's up, big dog, blah, 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 blah. And he's saying, like, yo, you know what? Once it gets cold in New York, I'm just going to move to Tampa. Me, and he points to his famous friend, like, we're going to move to Tampa and start doing stand-up. And I'm just like, what are you? <laughs> I know what he can do, but what are you going to do back in Tampa? He's like, yeah, we're just going to get up. I was like, we? I was like, you ain't earned your stripes in my city. <laughs> and that's not just being mean. It's like, why do people, like some like New York comics feel like I can just go to a city and just take over? I'm like, there's a whole bunch of wolves back at home that would destroy, like would eat every, eat all these rooms up. So he's telling me this, and then like other comics walk off, and I see him, you know, he's looking at, you can see his eyes, look at his eyes, and it's every, most of the comics, it's just me and him sitting outside. And I can tell he wants to be with the, you know, these comics that he feel are in his class. But, you know, comedically, he's not in that class. But he came up with them, you know. And I'm talking to him. I was like, yo, where have you been getting up? And he goes, honestly, dude, I haven't got up at all since this pandemic. And I was like, why not? And he goes, dude, freaking stand-up dude's supposed to be inside. I was like, if you know your stand-up history, it started outside. You know, Gallagher was doing, like, carnivals and festivals and stuff like that. Charlie Charlie Wise was the first one that did like outdoor shows. Like it actually started outside, you know. Shakespeare, all that's performing arts started outside. So we're just back to how it started. Yeah, but it should be low ceiling. It should be air conditioned. Like it's I don't want. And I was like, it seems like you're scared, man. And he goes, I don't even know where to start stand up. And I'm like, all right, take out your phone. These are a couple shows, and I'm giving them all these shows. And go, dude, freak, oh, dude. I was, he goes, I live on this side. I said, there's seven shows by your house right now. There's no reason why you should not be out. And then he looks at me. He goes, you're just a comedy purist, right? You're like a comedy purist. Like, you just love stand-up. Until I realized, like, oh, you don't love stand-up. You just like being around famous people. Because I'm telling the story about Pete Davidson. I was like, you know, Pete Davidson, he did, like, four minutes. And, you know, he got off stage. Like, I would have did, like, 15. He goes, yeah, but you're not Pete, dude. You're not Pete, dude, and he doesn't need stand-up. He doesn't freak, like, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need to do 12 minutes. And I was like, yeah, but he drove all the way from Staten Island to do the show, so he wanted to do something, you know what I mean? You can tell he wants to do stand-up. You know, he he misses it. And he goes, dude, I'm friends with Pete, you know what I mean? I don't, you know, I, 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 you know we, we can't speak for him. Like, that's that's my best friend, you know? And I was like, yeah, if you're his best friend, why weren't you in his movie then? <laughs> this is me just roasting him and he's just like yeah yeah you know, you know I was like yeah I was like seems like all of his friends were in his movie but you weren't in his movie and then I just looked and I was like oh okay you don't love this man 
And I was like, yeah, you just you just like being with uh, funny, being around funny people. Like, what is like, how are you not inspired to make your own wave? Like, I don't want to be a part of an entourage. You know what I mean? I want to be my own thing. So we chop it up and he looks at me and he's just like, yeah, dude, I'm I'm, I'm out of here. And I was like, all right, man. And he goes, dude, I just see you're getting up everywhere. Like you're getting up. And I was like, yeah, like why stay home, man? Like, dude, we left. And I realized like, oh, you didn't leave. You didn't start in Tampa. You, you just, you just are from Tampa. So then show gets canceled. So then Wednesday night, Wednesday night, I go to this place called the Tiny Cover. Tiny Cover is this no new rooftop place where now it's turned into a club. They do shows every hour. So we go there, chop it up. I got booked on the next show to do that. And then Thursday, Thursday, this is Wednesday? Yeah, Thursday. So Thursday, uh, Horseplay, Horseplay, Khalil Walker show, probably one of the dopest shows in the city. He probably has the whole block. He has the whole block just reserved for stand-up. And uh, we're talking as well. I get there early, try to steal a guest spot because this show that I had got canceled because Cuomo's canceling shows. So he goes, what's up, Jared Waters, first one here, man. You trying to get up tonight? I says, yes, sir, I would love to. And uh, he goes, all right, no problem. So I'm thinking, I was like, all right, what am I going to get this guest spot? And he's pointing. He's just throwing everyone up on stage. And it's to the point now where the crowd's kind of getting beat up a little bit. And he goes, all right, Jared, close it out. And as he goes me to close out, he points to somebody else. And this girl goes, I didn't even know I was going on stage. So I get up, and I, I'm, what I'm doing is, like, with experience, I'm looking at the crowd, and I see that there's music starting to play, and people are getting distracted. You know what I mean? Like, they've been here for, like, an hour and a half. They're not really, you know, they're into it, but they're not into it. But I see a fresh set of faces, so I was like, I'm just going to cheat my body to the left and only focus on these 30 people. The other 35 they're start the, you can tell they're starting to get drunk and everything else. So I'm focusing on these 35 people because these 35 people are new, and I'm just going to hit them for like 12 minutes because I know they can only handle 12 because the distractions. The police are coming. The police are walking around. People are nervous and stuff like that. So boom, do that show. It goes good. And then I bump into some other comics. We're like, hey, let's do this. My friend Sean Jackson, he's from Philly. And we just started talking about like stand-up at the end. I forgot me get to these emails. I can talk about stand up all day. My bad. I forgot I'm alone with my own thoughts. So boom, Friday, Friday, Friday. I do a show. So Friday we go to the show called, where it's like it's like pretty much military comedy, like guerrilla comedy. So we just go, we just go to a random park and we just start doing stand up in the park. And people are like, hey, when do you guys do this show? Like we just happen to be walking around with a speaker, so we just start doing like guerrilla comedy. Then I rush over to. This place, like underneath a pair, like I'm like near the water. I don't even know where the f I am. And it was so dope because uh, my girl Trina, Trina, uh, she had to follow a, a dope comic named Nori Davis. And I was like, man, and I was like, I had to. It's just me being overbearing, you know what I mean? I'm trying to make sure that she does well. And the first three minutes, she's teetering, and then she finally hits the groove. And I'm like, yo, dude, I was like, I'm so proud of you. And she's like, what? You know, what's up? I, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. I was like, it's just dope seeing my classic comics just like step up to the occasions now. And like, where in the world would she ever be on the show with this particular comic? And she just gets up and she just freaking, she gets up there and does her mother effing thing. So that was my week. Oh, freaking Saturday. So Saturday. So Saturday, which is today, or which is, last, it was yesterday. This is Sunday morning. So Saturday, I do a show called. Freaks this show, Muddy Water. So this show is in Brooklyn, right? And the show he usually does it with, this big black family comes and starts barbecuing. 
And I was like, you're not going to get these black people to be quiet because this is their family barbecue. So I'm doing my set, and I'm just, like, talking about the food, you know, riffing the room. And I could tell a lot of comments was just like, F it, I'm not going up. And I'm like, I already drove from Harlem. Like, I'm getting up. I don't give an F who it is. Let's just do these jokes. So I'm telling jokes, and the family starts listening. And then these two girls walk up, <clears throat> and they just they just, they're just happen to be passing by. I was like, what's up, ladies? Hi. I was like, are you ladies single? They're like, yeah, so now I got an interest in the show. I was like, uh... And then before I tell the joke, and this girl goes, I'm not interested in into dating humans right now. And I was like, what? Uh, I was like, I, got, I just can't let this slide. I was like, you interdis- like, are you down to dating robots or something? And she goes, no. And she walks over and just started humping this tree during my set. And I was like, wow, no consent. Okay, that's what we're doing now? You're not even just grabbing Grandmother Willow up and just slapping it around? And these ladies stay for the set. Then more people start staying for the set. And now it starts feeling like a comedy show. I'm telling these comments like, just press through, man. Just press through, man. I'm from, this is down south. This is what we always do, trying to just grab people's attention. You got like five minutes to grab it, and after you grab it, they'll stay for another five, but they'll probably leave. So then after that, we're all sitting down. Me and these comments were talking about my other friend. She just she got married, but she was about to have her big wedding, her big like for our family and friends. She had to postpone that. And I'm telling her about postponing my wedding. And then we're all just topping it up. And then a comment texts me. He's like, hey, we got a show in Brooklyn. Jared, come by. I was like, I happen to be in Brooklyn. effing." So I jet over there, and we're in the backyard. And this is a hood place. When I say hood, there's nothing but goons in there. And I know goons, and these are goons. So what the buddy, what he's doing is he brings a lot of comics. But if these comics aren't used to urban or black people, they're going to bomb because they're scared, right? You get a pass in, like, the black community if you're a different color person to pander a little bit. But after you stop pandering, if you show no confidence, they're not going to rock with you. So a lot of comics are like bombing, bomb, bomb, bomb. Uh, then my friend Shadi, Shadi Diaz, she does well. But you can tell she's nervous because she ain't been up in a while. She was down south. And I was like, look, we could feel it, but you got it. So as soon as she gets back into her bag, boom, boom, boom. So she starts hitting. So now it feels like a comedy show. And somebody else goes up, capitalizes her, then bombs. Then everyone starts riding. So it's been like a long, it's been like maybe, it's going on two hours, right? And I see the comments, the crowd getting restless. My boy Stefan's the headliner. He does like 25 minutes and they go, Jared, you want to follow him? I said, yes, I would like to. And I do 18, <laughs> I do like 18 to 20 minutes. Because like now I got their attention. So I know it's like I'm pacing back and forth. Then my friend Dory, she has to go up. And, uh, you know, she ain't been doing stand-up that long. And uh, she... <laughs> She 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 got like we said she she just like you jump in that water now she's quicksand she's just trying to swim out of the water. In reality, we could have like put her between me and Stefan that would have did it, but it was just like capitalizing on the moment. It's like writing it. So after that, we start barbe they start barbecuing, give us macaroni and cheese, everything else, and then it's one o'clock in the morning, so we have to go back to Harlem. Trains freaking shut down, freak. So now I'm stranded in Brooklyn. And taxis are like $100, and I'm like, freak, man, I don't want to get a bus. A bus is three hours away, and you got to take 16 buses. So we all just get this Uber, me, Stefan. We all just happen to live in the same neighborhood, so we all get an Uber, and we head home. And then, boom, that was my week of comedy, my week of comedy. And uh, it was good. So today is Sunday, so Sunday I got a show at 4 o'clock. I got a show at 6 o'clock, then I got a show at 9 o'clock. So that's going to be good. And every Wednesday, I have to plug this, every Wednesday at 6.30 in Astoria Park, I'm starting my own comedy show. It's called Training Day Comedy, me and my friend Matthew Arvello. Uh, he's 20 now, young comic. And uh, we was like, F it, let's take it to the park. We got speakers, we got mics, and we're like, F it, we got to contribute to the scene. We just can't take from it. We're going to add to the scene. 
All right, now, F it. I'm going to read these emails, and we're going to get to it. Uh, email again, Jared, why haven't, <laughs> why haven't you dropped the One Tree Hill episodes? Freak! F! All right, I promise, man. I keep saying I promise, but it's been like a busy week. This week, I'm going to review a One Tree Hill episode. I think we're on episode eight. I promise to review it because my dog Joe Saffle hit me up, and he goes, hey, he listened to the episode. I was like, why are you listening to the One Tree Hill episodes? And he's like, F it, I'll watch it. <laughs> So some people do enjoy it, but I realize most of all of subscribers are from the One Tree Hill podcast. But the emails are like this. Hey, love the content. <laughs> emails are like this. Hey, love the content, but can you please start reviewing One Tree Hill episodes again? Hey, uh, loved your episode with blah, 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 blah. Can you please start <laughs> reviewing One Tree Hill episodes again? So F and I'm going to do it. A lot of emails about Trey Songs. Oh, freak. Oh, Trey Songs. Uh, they said that he uh, assaulted a woman. He, he peed on her. And he locked her, takes away these, he said what he does to groupies, he takes away their phones and their purses and locks them in the room. And then they just, they said they're into it, but it's like, wow. You know what? I met Trey Songs one time, and this is not to knock him, but I met him in 2009. 2009, he's performing at my college, and he was in a blue Lamborghini. He pulls up at a McDonald's, and he has his shoes off. And my friend, I'll just keep her name, I'll keep her name silent. She walks over and says, oh, there goes Trey Songs. This is before the Trigger album. So he's like a young artist. And he goes, yo, let me holler at you in the car. So she sticks her head in the car, and he licks the side of her face. And she's a lesbian. She was bisexual at the time. And she goes, why you just lick my face like that? Nobody asked you to lick my face. I ain't your groupie. I was trying to be nice. Now I don't even want a picture with you. So he's been aggressive like this with his R&B lover and stuff like that. I don't know if he thought it was a joke, but I was like, yeah, she was not down for that at all. But it was just crazy because Kiki Palmer said the same thing about how she was locked in. Let's play this clip from Kiki Palmer. Uh, this is a clip from Kiki Palmer, right? We have to listen to black voices. And this is her experience with Trey Song. So like what? You know, I know Kiki Palmer talks a lot. I've, my friend used to date her. And he said she, I saw her text messages. And she's, she's, a, she's a very lovable person. But very, how can I express this? She is... She is very aggressive of love. That's the bad for her. not aggressive. She's very passionate when she likes a person. Songs ever get cool again? Man, you know, I have not talked to that guy. You know, I have not spoken to that guy. Was it know? a misunderstanding? Like, because you accused him of sexual intimidation. Last you know, year. it wasn't a mis- It wasn't a misunderstanding. She told her story of what? I tell my truth. And, you know, I just thought it was real interesting that after all those things went down, you know, Someone else has something to say. So it wasn't like, I don't, I don't like when people think that somebody is just going to be saying something just to say it. First of all, I love black people. I love my people. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to try to ever tear nobody down, try to tear no black man down. That's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what I stand for. That's not what I'm about. So if I say something, I'm saying something for a reason. And I feel like so many times black women say stuff and nobody gives a shit. Excuse my language. Nobody gives a fuck when sometimes black women say something. But somebody of another complexion, somebody of another color, they say something. And then it's like, we're taking it to court. (laughs) It's time to get serious. Hashtag me too. And, uh, you know, I feel that that's, you know, she was freaking right, you know what I mean? Because when Trey Songs, when she said that about Trey Songs, people just thought she was being, uh, you know, they thought she was just talking a lot. But uh, now people from other pigment have accused Trey Songs of this, and now we're taking it serious that Trey Songs is like, you know, here violating chicks. And I think that we have to protect, uh, we have to protect especially our women of color, women of color, black women. Speaking of that, other email, uh, Meg Thee Stallion, 
confirmed that Tory Lane shot her. And Tory Lanez is 4'11". Like, let's get that out there. She got shot by a dude that can't even get on <laughs> Space Mountain. Let's, uh... <laughs> that's not for to make fun. But, yes, yeah, they said they're arguing in the car. He turned around and shot her. And, uh, like, the freak. That's that's effed up. And it's crazy that the, the big debate was, it's like, Jared, how do you feel about... To- Here it is. Is it snitching? Is it snitching to Kashi 69? Oh, yeah. So it's just like, I feel like a lot of people... If you're not in the streets, try to live by the street code about, like, not snitching. Like, there's only three people in the car and one person has a gun. Like, who else is going to shoot Meg Thee Stallion? And that sucks that, you know, people are trying to debate if she should have told. Like, he he shot her. Like, you got to say something. He hasn't said anything. But you shot the hottest working rapper, female rapper. (laughs) You don't think there's not going to be consequences, bro? So, yeah, we got to protect, protect, protect black women. You can't shoot them at all. Just protect them. Freak, he pulled a gun on her. Like, what's up, bro? So, they, yeah, he got to go to Canada. We got to send him back. He got to go. We got to send him back. We'll take Drake and uh, Jim Carrey and Celine Dion and Tory Lanez. You just got to, you and your brand new hairline, you got to stay in Canada for that. We can't be shooting, especially women from the South. He, I forgot she's from Texas. Yeah, you can't be shooting Southerners. We can't do that at all. We can't do that at all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was how did I feel about that? And I was reading, I was listening to this about uh, Takashi Six Nine. He's if you don't know, he was uh, uh he was pretending to be a gangster, a blood, pretending to be a blood, and he pretty much deciphered through the Trey Nine Bloods, and he snitched on all of them, and now he's out. He might be an informant. He might be an informant. And Akon was talking about why he did a song with him, and Akon uh went to prison for like. I mean, he made the song called Locked Up, which is a huge song. And Akon made a beautiful point. He said, let's let's play this clip. I know we're playing a lot of clips, but F it. We got it. We are, we're alone on the hill. Let's play these clips. I want to be the one to say, you know what, bro? Ain't nobody going to say it out loud. Because if you're in a position where you have to justify who you are and what you are to the street, then you've been a poser since day one. Right? Because right, but, but, think about it. No, just think about it. Okay. Think about it for a second, Brad. Half the people that are upset aren't in the street. Never been in the street. They don't even live by the code of the street. Mm-hmm. Takashi ain't snitch on you. Why are you mad? Just think about it. If I was in the mix with him and I was affected by him telling on whoever or for whatever reason he told that's what I, I don't I don't like to talk about why he did it. I just know that for whatever reason he did it, he had his reasons. Now, if he comes out one day and says, I did it for this, this, that, that, and the reason, which he started already, right? Who does like who orders a hit live on the internet? Really? You gotta right. know that's entertainment, my nigga. If you don't, if you dumb enough to think that that was real, but, but and you go and try to actually, execute that, but they, he was actually paid off. Like that—that's the whole thing. Takashi testified against the guy who had him do the hit. That'd be like me selling you <laughs> yeah. a kilo of cocaine and saying, "Hey, I know this drug dealer named Akon. Right? I'm selling to him myself. Okay. <laughs> and, then I, and, then, and then I see the video, and then I go accept the drugs from his ass, and I get popped. Uh, okay. I'm the dumb one. Yeah, man, listen. Because you understand, the hit was made first. I mean, the the request for the hit was made first. Then the nigga got paid, I think. I believe he got wait, paid. Wait a minute. All right, that was Akon pretty much saying how, and I'm not justifying snitching at all, but saying that if everyone knew that Takashi was a clown and wasn't from the streets, like, why listen to him? You know, he's just saying, like, that's, 
like real street, not saying real street dudes, but just like, why would you guys entertain this clown? You know, like you knew what you were getting into. Like you knew he's not from the street crowd. He didn't live by the street ethics. So can you be mad at what he's doing, right? So I found that interesting what he was saying, and a lot of people just like not snitching. But I see these kids out here dancing to his music. I think this generation has changed. You know, if you think about all the mafia, they all snitched on each other. Sammy the Bull snitch. All these guys are like, most a lot of people in jail are the ones that snitch to get like a lighter sentence. But I don't think that Takashi and Meg Thee Stallion are the same at all. Meg Thee Stallion didn't take care, take out a group of gang members. She told on the little man that shot her. She told on Yosemite Sam. Okay, here we go. What else? What else are we going? We talked about that. Uh, oh, man, I heard the story about Sylvia Morrison. Sylvia, Mor- Sylvia Morrison, what an amazing story. If you don't know, I'm going to play a clip from a lot of clips today, but F it, I've been listening to a lot. I had a lot of time on the train about Sylvia Morrison. So uh, Queen Monique, uh, she's on the podcast with T.I. I was listening to this podcast. She talked about a stand-up comedian that I've heard about from these comics from D.C., but I never knew how much of how much she impacted comedy. This is about uh about how like you know black women voices get silent. So we're going to play a clip of this and listen to this. Here we go. There's another woman that I would like to put on that list who really opened the doors up for so many of us. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sylvia Morrison. Sylvia Morrison. Yes. I haven't heard of her. She's been in the game for 50 years. She's still alive? She's still alive. Okay. She was the first black female writer on Saturday Night Live. Okay. But what they did was they gave her the title as production assistant. So Uh. when it goes down in history, you never see this woman's name. Damn. So, again, it's a black woman. Damn. How many impressions can she do? She can do, oh my God, over 100 impressions. Mm. And she toured with Whitney Houston, um, um, she was the one the night that Muhammad Ali and Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Remember when Billy Crystal was at the roast for Muhammad Ali? Okay. Well, actually, her name was Sylvia Morrison, and she went before Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. And Muhammad Ali raised her hand up as the champ. He says, "This one right here, mm. this is our winner." They cut that part. What? And they put Billy Crystal in the way, and it took Billy Crystal's career. Like this. I didn't but know But they that. cut Sylvia Morrison totally out of it. Wow. So she has to rank up there for me because the ass whoopings that black woman had to take. Sheesh. She said, Monique, I did it for 10 years and never got paid. 10 years and never got paid. Sylvia Morrison. So I've, I, I've, nev- I've seen her like on flyers and stuff like that. And like all the DC comics, she's, she's from DC. So all the DC like areas, like it's every comedian has like their history. Like in our, in our Tampa, we got our pretty Paul Parsons old comic has been out there for like 50 years. We know about him, but Sylvia Morrison, I just bought her book. I won't put a link to her book uh, about that. Imagine like writing for a Saturday Night Live. They never give you the credit. You know what I mean? All these impressions that she did, you know, and that's the thing about having your own video footage content. Just imagine if she had her own camera to like record her set. You know, so there's like little clips, like whoever has these footages, I hope they release it, of like little clips of her at the Muhammad Ali roast of just like doing that. And I was like, man, what are <sighs> the voices that we don't hear, you know? And that's, that's just me, you know, me, I'm like, I'm always just, if I ever get a time, so when you guys ask me why I haven't watched certain movies, uh, I'll do that. Other things, freaking Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky got arrested. I don't know her real name, Aunt Becky from, uh, what show is she from, Boy Meets World? No, she's from Full House, got arrested trying to, Sneak her kids into college. But you know what? Who doesn't do that? You know, who doesn't make a phone call to do stuff like that? Uh, 
Steve Bannon got arrested. It's funny. I didn't know the post office had like. <laughs> where did the post office get like police officers to like arrest people? Like what the freak? I was like, no wonder why my packages take so long. Turns out they got a full precinct inside every post office. I know you can get your passport there, but I didn't know. Yeah, he got arrested by the the U.S. post office for fraudulent. I guess that the. Build the wall fund. He was just siphoning money and taking the money for the build the wall fund. My friend Max White told a wonderful joke. He says, Trump wants to build a wall, but turns out the whole world has built a wall around America. We can't go nowhere except Mexico. Freak, man. We're landlocked. We can't go to Canada. We can't go nowhere. All the countries have built a wall around America. Isn't that ironic? Freak. What a day. Well, folks, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Holy F. I forgot. Today is Kobe Bryant's birthday, ladies and gentlemen, the great Black Mamba. One of my favorite basketball players, Kobe and Shaquille O'Neal. But man, freaking, can you believe Kobe's gone? Freak, man. We're going to end it with a clip of Kobe when he got drafted, man. And the crazy thing, not even the crazy, the hardest part about this is that we live in a society where we get to see Kobe's wife grieve in front of us. And it doesn't matter how many times you get over Kobe Bryant or when your life moves forward, you'll see his wife, she'll tweet something, you'll see his daughter put a picture out and you'd be like dang they're still they still lost a dad and they still lost a sister but uh we're gonna play this kobe clip then after that uh roland doge is gonna take us out with our outro here we go ladies and gentlemen the high school kid chosen in the first round number 13 you had the grades you had the scores to go to college why the nba it's ultimate challenge if I was 40 years old and I'm sitting back and I'm looking back at my career, if I went to college or played on the NBA, maybe I had a great career, maybe not, and I'm still having that doubt in my mind, could I have answered that challenge? Could I have responded to the challenge of the NBA? And that's something that I didn't want to have on my, on my shoulders, so I just really accepted it. Kobe Bryant gets his first NBA start at the tender age of 18. Nobody's been younger. It seems like it was just yesterday. Do you buy it? We will never see anybody eclipse even 81. You're kidding me, right? It ain't gonna happen again. Kobe! What's up? I just want to tell you, man, it's been beautiful to watch you this year. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I just try to do, you know, do my part of the puzzle here for the Lakers. And the opportunity's here, and I'm just very thankful for it and just want to take advantage of it. To be the greatest Laker ever, I think that's an amazing accomplishment. It's made a lot sweeter because I know you have four and I have five. <laughs> As I got older and been in the league now for 19 years, um, you want to enjoy, you know, the camaraderie. Just maturity, just growing up and just just wanting to step back a little bit and just soak everything in. Oh, I take him to a spot that I missed it. Now I'm going to tear him up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are in that elite company now. What's that mean to you, Shaq? The big legendaries. <laughs> I'm out of Kobe. <laughs> I can't put it no better than that, man. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say to your fans? Well, to my fans, um... Thank you from the bottom of my heart, from my family's heart, for all your support through everything, you know, on the court, off the court. Thank you for your prayers. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, that's Kobe Bryant. I want to read these. These are called the Kobe Kobe Ten Rules. We'll get out of here like this. Uh, I forget Kobe wrote a book and he wrote these these rules inside. I have these on my wall. I got my own rules, but I like it what he said now. Rule number one, he said, get better every single day. Rule number two, prove them wrong. Rule number three, work on your weakness, which I think is a very, is a skill that I work on all the time. My weakness is like crowd work. Crowd work is what I struggle with because I sometimes I'm so overly prepared that I don't. So now I always work on my weaknesses, you know, weaknesses. 
Rule number four, execute what you practice. And that's what I'm saying. A lot of us do a lot of practice, but we don't execute. Rule number five, learn from greatness. Have mentors. Have people that are greater among you. You know, don't always be the smartest dude in the room. Rule number six, learn from wins and learn from losses. I love that. Rule number seven, practice mindfulness. Rule number eight, be ambitious. Rule number nine, believe in your team. Rule number 10, learn storytelling. We all got stories, folks. We all got a story to tell. And thank you for telling them. Kobe Bryant told a story. Even though he was cut short, he lived a wonderful life. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast One a Man, One Tree in a Hill. This is our Woody's Roundup. We wrap up the week. Next week, we got a, a great podcast with my dear friend Olga. Olga, we call her the Queen of Honduras. We'll be talking to her and talking about her life. Then after that, we got some other wonderful people coming up in September. Uh, like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Roland Doja, take us out. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. It's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy. And they're all sitting at the table. And I walk up to Eddie Murphy. And I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the goat, man. You're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Said, uh uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And then she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.